Hey friends, instead of continuing with our sermon series on 2 Peter, we felt it prudent to speak and pray into the injustice, the evil, the tensions boiling over in our country right now. So I've asked Kristen Day, one of our students, to lead a time of prayer for intercession and confession. And then Dave Shockey to share some words about how we as Jesus followers might respond and navigate these times. Also, Jackie and Kylan on our staff will be leading a book talk group on the book, The Myth of Equality by Ken Wisma. So information about that will be in next week's email as well as social media. But let me start, let me frame our time with Psalm 5 today. It says, listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Pay attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for I pray to you. At daybreak, Lord, you hear my voice. At daybreak, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil cannot dwell with you. The boastful cannot stand in your presence. You hate evil doing. You destroy those who tell lies. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and treachery. But I enter your house by the abundance of your faithful love. I bow down toward your holy temple in reverential awe of you. Lord, lead me in your righteousness. Make your way straight before me. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them shout forever. May you shelter them and may those who love your name <clears throat> boast about you. For you, Lord, bless the righteous. You surround him with favor like a shield. So will you just join me in praying for um, racial reconciliation in this country and, and um, God's heart for justice? Mm. God, um, we, we are groaning alongside the pain that we see in Minneapolis. God, we see the murders of, of Breonna Taylor, of George Floyd, of Ahmaud Arbery, Lord. We, we lament, we, we are so broken over the injustice, over the, the pain that's been inflicted, over the murder that we have, we have seen with our eyes, Lord. Will you remind us that, that it was no mistake that you made us in different skin tones and different hues and different cultures and languages that that was, it is, is it supposed to reflect the beauty of who you are. And can you remind us to, to stand with our black brothers and sisters? Lord, there's, there's this pain, there's this fear that I don't know what to say, so I'm not gonna say anything. But God, will you help us to eradicate that fear and say, I don't know what to say, but I'm gonna stand. I don't know, I don't know even how to feel, but I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna seek you, God, I'm gonna listen. That we know from, from Psalm 9, Lord, that you care about justice, that you are working on our behalf. So will you bring that peace? Will you bring that love for justice? Will you bring your, your freedom and let it rest inside of us so that we can freely, we can fight for that. We can help bridge that kingdom to earth, Lord. Hmm. As painful it is, as it is, Lord, thank you for this moment that it allows us to, to sit and see the pain, um, for us to groan alongside our brothers and sisters and, and expose some of the injustice that's always been there, Lord. And I pray, one, that you would give us um, 
give us peace to pursue justice to say I don't I don't always I'm not always gonna have the right words to say but I see you at work Lord and I'm gonna partner with you and also God will you give us compassion to be in this moment to say it's not inevitable it's not inevitable it's not always going to happen this way that there's that there is a renovating and restoration work that you are doing and we can be a part of it right now that we don't have to just wait for things to return back to normal but we can be a part of the returning back to normal lord that you are doing the work and we see you and we want to be a part of it with you god mm. i just want to pray this prayer and say god Will you continue to do that work inside of our own hearts as well so that we can help bring it to the nation of the Lord? Mm. morning campus house we are taking time today to engage current events um, I felt so burdened by what's happening in the world today that we wanted to write a statement we wanted to try to put something out and Rob decided that giving voice to this for today's sermon uh, made the most sense so we're going to be engaging current events. Really, I felt a pastoral burden to help you guys think about how to engage well in these um, really tumultuous times. So would you pray with me before we get started? Um, Father, thank you that you exist. Thank you that you are unshakable. Thank you that you are with us. God, I ask that today you would speak through me and you would speak to us. That Holy Spirit, you would put power and life on the words that I speak. That you would restrain me from saying anything that is incongruent with your heart or untrue. God, we desire to be a people that manifest your life and your love in the world around us. So would you speak to us today in Jesus' name? John 1, 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I think it is a beautiful picture of the life of Jesus, <clears throat> even though it looked like darkness had overcome him when he was hanging on the cross. The reality of the story is that it did not end in darkness, but it ended in brilliant light. And the story for us today is that throughout history, there have been periods of intense darkness. But the darkness will not win. Ultimately, the Bible tells us Jesus will win. What is light and life and love and justice and goodness will ultimately prevail in the end upon his return. But today, the darkness in the world is palpable. The demonic reality of racism and the wanton disregard for human life was made obvious yet again as a police officer murdered an unarmed black man. Watching George Floyd's death, watching a brother in Christ be cruelly murdered is 
infuriating. It exemplifies not only the personal <clears throat> disregard for human life, but it also reveals systemic problems in our country and in the way that we treat our citizens. I'm angry. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.26 to be angry, but not to sin. And so how do we actually practice that mandate? How do we walk out the righteous anger, but apart from sin? How can light, how can we manifest this light that the darkness cannot overcome? As I've been praying about this, I have four things I want to share. Um, and as we're faced with anger, as we're faced with overwhelming information, as we're faced with darkness and depravity, I think there's four things we can do to help orient us and help make us even uh, useful in bringing light. And it's to look four places. It's to look outward and to observe. It is to look up to God in prayer. It is to look inward to repent and receive. And then it is to look outward in love. So I'm going to share a little bit about each of those to help us respond in difficult times. I think the first thing that we're called to do is to look outward and observe. Rather than giving in to the desire for distraction, to tune out, to entertain ourselves, to kill the pain, to avoid hard things, I think we need to actually be attentive to what is happening in the world around us. The book of Romans, Paul tells us to weep with those who weep. If we aren't aware of the pain of our neighbors, if we're not aware of the difficulty surrounding us, if we're merely drowning ourselves in entertainment or alcohol or something else to fill the space so that we may not have to see it, we can't mourn with them. I think there's a call to sobriety, a call to engagement, a call to awareness, to observe what is actually happening. What is the actual state of things? How are our neighbors doing in the world today? So we look out and we observe reality. I think the second thing that we're called to do is to look to God in prayer in light of what we see in the world around us. In observing the difficult and sometimes joyful conditions, but in, as we observe what is going on around us, I think the next step is to look to God and engage with him. I think we can lament the evil that we see. Many psalms are psalms of lament where it is literally voicing concern and complaint about the condition of things to God. When Israel was in slavery in Egypt, God came to Moses and said, the cries of my people have arisen to me. That God listens to the complaints of his people in acts in accordance with the complaints of his people. So when we observe injustice, when we observe evil, when we observe things that are counter to the way that they should be, 
Lament is an awesome tool. So we observe, and then we look to God in prayer. We can lament the evil pain and suffering that we see and experience. We can also praise him for the good things that we see, for his love, for grace, for mercy, for action, for wisdom. We can intercede. We can ask God, not just complaining, but we can intercede Lament and complaining, oh God, how long will it be this way? We can also intercede, Lord, would you act? Would you move? Would you change things? Would you tear down unrighteous systems? Would you bring justice to the land? Would you preserve life? We can intercede for those who are suffering. God, would you bring comfort to the families who are losing loved ones? To a people who f- live in fear of the police. To those who are suffering, would you bring your peace? And we can pray, we can intercede, we can ask, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would we can pray as we engage with God, thy kingdom come, would you displace evil and corrupt systems that are in competition with you? in competition with justice and life and love. And we can ask him to reveal himself to you in the midst of all of it. Oh Lord, where are you? Can you help me through the difficulty? So step one, we look out and we observe. We look up to God in prayer where we can lament, where we can praise, where we can intercede, and where we can ask the Lord to act. I think the third step in is, the third step is to look inward, to repent and to receive. Psalm 139 invites us to pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We can allow the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit to search our own hearts for areas where we need to repent, where we are complicit with or participating in evil and injustice. I think there can be a temptation when we see evil in the world to point a finger and say, that's evil. Look, it's so much worse than me. But I think if every single person would get serious with the Lord about the sin, the prejudice, the evil in their own hearts, and would repent and turn from those wicked ways, that there would be a substantial change in our society. And that's not to say we don't call out what is evil. We certainly can do that. But the temptation is to say, that's really evil. We don't, you don't have to look at me, Lord, because look at how evil that is out there. I think that there is a call to look inward with the Lord, not just nitpicking over every little thing we do wrong or or trip over, but really to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things that we may not even know about ourselves that are in competition with what the Lord wants to do or counter to his nature. So I think there's an invitation to invite the Lord into us to, to search our hearts so that we can repent, so that we are not complicit in things that are evil unintentionally. 
And certainly, if there's ways that you are intentionally uh, harming others or living in sin, deal with that with the Lord in turn. But I think the invitation is, Lord, search me and know me. See if there are any unclean ways within me, any wicked ways within me, things that I don't know about. Open your heart to the Lord and ask him so that you can repent, so that you can be forgiven, so that you aren't complicit in evil in the world. Sin always leads to death in ourselves and in others. So it's important to move away from it. We look inward and we repent, but I think there's also an invitation to receive. Maybe it is receiving the forgiveness that we desperately need as the Lord reveals the areas that uh, he desires us to turn from. And he gives that forgiveness graciously, abundantly, and ungrudgingly. Uh, maybe we need to receive wisdom for how to act in the days ahead. If you're in a position of leadership, you certainly need wisdom, his wisdom in the midst of this time. For administration officials, government officials, people running universities and churches, companies, we need wisdom. And so we can look inward and see the deficit of wisdom that we have. And we can ask the Lord who all gives wisdom abundantly and ungrudgingly to those who ask. He freely forgives us. He freely gives wisdom. I know some of us are suffering immensely in the midst of this time. The murder of George Floyd, um, what that triggers emotionally, especially if you look like George Floyd. It's terrifying, it's angering. Um, and I think that there's a many in our country, many people listening today that are in desperate need of comfort and peace in the midst of this evil. And in 2 Corinthians, the Bible tells us, Blessed be the God, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think as we look inward, it's not, just about receiving repentance, not just about receiving wisdom or forgiveness. I think that it's very real that we need to receive comfort from the Holy Spirit as well. I think that there's comfort available for us even in the midst of pain and tragedy. It may seem elusive or distant, but God is not, even if he feels distant and elusive. He is present with us in our pain. He is a God who chose to incarnate himself to engage with structural evil, <laughs> to engage with uh, structural racism in the way that the Jewish nation treated uh, proselytes and Gentiles. I mean, Jesus deals with that. I don't have time to go into it all, but you look at what he quotes, what he does with the whip of cords and with the prophecies in Isaiah, he's dealing with racism. So God enters our pain. 
He's not a God who's far away from me. He enters it and he wears it himself. He choose, chose to take on the sin of the world. He chose to take on the cross. He chose to take on our pain and offers us comfort. And so I want to invite you, if you're in need of comfort, and when you look inward, if you see there is trauma and pain, I believe that there's an invitation from the Lord for you today to receive comfort from his Holy Spirit. So Lord, I do ask that if for those listening today that are resonating and saying, I need comfort. Maybe it's around this situation. Maybe it's around a different situation, but feeling I need comfort. Lord, where are you in the midst of this? God, I ask that you would touch them even now. That you would, Holy Spirit, you would do your job as comforter and as advocate to come and comfort your people, God. To bring peace that surpasses understanding. To bring a sense of your presence in the midst of the pain. To remind us and help us to feel your love. And to give us a confidence that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So I think as we receive wisdom, as we receive comfort, as we receive forgiveness, there's also a fourth step, which is to look outward in love. In Matthew 22, Jesus tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. I define love as self-sacrificially seeking the best interest of another. I think God exemplifies this self-sacrificial love. Uh, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever might believe in him could not perish but have everlasting life. That God saw the pain and problems in the world and gave sacrificially what was most precious to him and his son. I think that our call is not only about us, it's not only to look outward and observe, to look inward in prayer, or to look up in prayer, to look inward and receive from the Lord, to repent and receive. I don't think it's only about us. I think that there is a mandate, a responsibility to look beyond ourselves in this embodiment of Christian love, the kind of love that does not regard Self-preservation is most important, but the kind that self-sacrificially serves the interest of another. To look out in love. And so I think um, we can do that. And there's kind of two categories of looking out in love that I want to encourage you in. The first one is immediate. That we can respond to right now. That is... Uh, looking to how we can love our neighbors. So remember the Good Samaritan and the question, who is my neighbor? It might not just be the person who lives across the street from you, although it very well may be, but it's the people who we come into contact with, especially people who are different from us culturally or skin color is different than us. 
How can we love our neighbors? How can we self-sacrificially seek their best interest? How can the orientation of our hearts in this difficult time be of love, of self-sacrificially seeking the best interest of the other. I don't want to give you a specific like list of five things to do because what you can do is innumerable. There are millions of ways to love people around you. And I want you to, with the Lord, pray and seek how you can love your neighbor. And maybe even consider uh, what your social networks look like. And I know it's hard in the midst of COVID, but consider who the people are around you. And is there a way to extend love, especially to those who are unlike you? Socioeconomically, culturally, um, skin color, religion, background, country of origin. And really see if there are ways of extending love to your neighbors, especially ones who are different from you. And the second thing is, that's the immediate response. God, how do I love the people around me? God, how do I love my neighbor as myself today? What acts of kindness, of generosity can I participate in now? But the second thing, when we look outward with love, it's not only a response for right now immediate. I think that there are ways of thinking and engaging and working to make long-term differences. We can um, look outward with love strategically and systematically over the long-term by helping change systems and circumstances so that they can improve. I wanna encourage you to think about how you can bring love and justice and equity into your immediate situations and work to build that over the long term. I know I'm speaking to many Purdue students and you guys are future leaders. Many of you are leaders now, but you're going to lead families. You're gonna be leaders in your churches. You're gonna be leaders in your communities, in your workplaces, in the cities that you reside in. You will be have opportunities to lead. And I wanna encourage you to think out of love, self-sacrificially, how can you engage to make things better for others? How can you build your families and structures and workplaces and communities and schools in a way that embodies justice and equity? Um, I was reading in Exodus this morning just as a part of my personal devotion and I was so struck by Exodus 23. And it says, you shall not spread a false report, okay? So no fake news. You shall not join hands with the wicked to act as a malicious witness. You shall not follow a majority in wrongdoing. And when you are a witness in a lawsuit, you shall not side with the majority so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to the poor in a lawsuit. When you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey, you shall bring it back. When you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under a burden and you would hold back from setting it free, you must help to set it free. You shall not pervert justice due to your poor in their lawsuits. 
Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and those in the right, for I will not acquit the guilty. You shall take up no bribe, for a bribe blinds the officials and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a resident alien and no... Yeah. And so you have this picture of pursuit of justice, which is not spreading a false report, not perverting justice for the rich because of bribes, for the popular because of a majority of opinion, or for the poor even because you have compassion for their circumstances. It's a call not to pervert justice, but to fight for it. Not to pervert justice for uh, and to take care of both the poor and the alien, but also not to pervert justice in order to do that. So can we think immediately, how can we love our neighbors? Can we think long-term, how can we build structures and systems that are full of justice and equity? How can we do it in a way that does not bring injustice or perpetuate systems of injustice, but that can actually help to form that? Last and not least, probably most importantly, is the good news that in fact, Jesus does love the world. And he does love the world so much that he sent his son. God sent his son to die so that whoever may believe in him may not perish but have eternal life. The most loving and important things for people to encounter, the thing that will really bring about unbelievable change, is for them to encounter the living person of Jesus. Guys, if people have hard and racist hearts, great policies aren't going to change that. It's important to pursue great policies, but it's not going to change hearts. When someone has a heart of stone, when someone is, has a heart of stone, they need to encounter the living God who can heal it and give them a heart of flesh. When people have deep wounds and traumas, just more money or better circumstances aren't the only thing that's going to fix that. Yes, we need to fight for more money and better circumstances for everyone in our country. But they also need to encounter Jesus, the healer, who can deal with the trauma and wounds in their hearts. And when people are in bondage, they need to encounter Jesus, the one who sets us free. Pursuing love and justice in the public square is necessary. But preaching the gospel and helping people encounter the actual person of Jesus, to be healed and changed by his love and led forward in his wisdom and cared for with his tender heart is the most important thing that we can do. So Lord, I ask that you would bless us I ask that you would keep us. I ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit, in this process of looking out. God, would you direct our attention to what is on your heart? Break our heart for what breaks yours, Lord. Would you show us what is on your heart in this season? Would you help us to observe it, to take it in, but then to take it to you? Lord, would you help us to look to you in prayer, commune with you in prayer, to lament, to intercede, to ask, 
to receive God, to, to commune with you, to hear you in prayer. God, would you help us to repent and to receive what you have for us? And would you empower us as a people who can step out boldly in love? Now, God, would you help us to now act in love? And would you help us to be a people who systematically and strategically uses the resources that you've given us to be a people that that works towards love and justice? And God, would you give us hearts of evangelists to be able to help people connect the dots and to go deeper and to receive eternal peace, eternal salvation, to experience your eternal justice now in the mercy and grace that you offer, in the healing that you offer our hearts and bodies, the freedom that you offer our minds and souls, and the forgiveness that you offer us. Lord, would you help us to encounter you? and to walk with you into every circumstance, and to bear your light in the midst of darkness. We pray this in your name, Jesus.